We're all in business for a reason. The problem that so many small business owners have is that they go in 10 million different directions, not really sure which way to go. Listen as your team of experts, Jennifer Glass, Daniel McCrane, and Patricia Rezzatillo, go through what you need in your business to really make it stand out and benefit you. Because it's the bottom line that matters. Hello and welcome to another episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast. We are dedicated to your success. On our show today, we are going to be talking about sharing leads with your sales team. Sometimes the sales folks come back and they say, what are you doing? The leads are terrible. And marketing comes back and says, the leads we give you never get anything done. And there's a whole big fight between both sides as we deal with leads and as we deal with what we're doing. But as we look at appropriateness of sharing the leads, Daniel, Patricia, as I bring the two of you in on the topic, what exactly does it even mean to share the leads between the sales and marketing departments in your perspective? Well, to me, um, sharing the leads between departments means that uh, ideally there's some kind of a central repository where the leads go uh, that are generated by marketing and that in some way uh, they get divvied out to the sales team for follow-up. So they're depending on your sales team. Do you have just one person in the sales team? Is your sales team just you? Uh, That makes it real easy then to figure out who's in charge of follow-up. Uh, But sometimes sales teams have some structure to them. There may be some more junior members of the sales team whose job is to follow up on those leads and then book the appointment with a more senior member on your sales team. But the beginning place is that there is an easy, smooth handoff between marketing and sales. I have seen occasions where marketing generated leads, but for some reason, those leads never made it over to sales. So make sure that you've got some kind of a mechanism uh, that causes that to happen. So that we don't have a sales prevention strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. A sales prevention strategy. So one of the things that I wanted to just throw out here is HubSpot, which is a name that a lot of uh, you may have heard about. They're a big CRM uh, company. They coined a term in the early 2000s, marketing, and to read exactly from their website what it is, the term marketing was coined by HubSpot in the early 2000s. As the name suggests, this now popular concept describes the alignment between sales and marketing teams created through frequent and direct communication between the two. Smarketing equals sales and marketing alignment through constant communication. It really is important, therefore, that when we're talking about sales and marketing, that we are looking at directly talking between the two departments. We know, though, that sometimes it breaks down and both sides have a kingdom that they like operating. And it seems that sometimes there's a war between the two, right? Yes. Yeah, (laughs) They, they can certainly come across that way. 
marketing definitely has their KPIs that they're going for and what they what a marketing company or a marketing department typically tries to do is they try to produce the most number of leads possible. Sales, on the other hand, would prefer to eliminate unqualified prospects so that their time is better spent uh, speaking with people who are qualified to actually purchase. So the the two uh, the two goals of the company or I keep saying companies of the departments <laughs> can be misaligned. If there's a way to connect the goals for marketing so that it more closely aligns with sales, then the company as a whole will be better off by doing so. That means marketing may have to make a few changes. Uh, sales may need to change their expectations a little bit. They've got to figure out how to meet in the middle. And again, like you said, it comes down though, and again, as marketing the definition, the two sides have to speak regularly. Whatever that regular communication is like, hopefully it's not just annually, that it's a lot more often, but they do need to be talking to each other so that it's clear, here's the leads, here's what you're looking for, and here's what we're looking for in terms of the back and forth, what we're doing. Let me ask Patricia, as we look though at smaller businesses, where maybe sales and marketing is not clearly defined in terms of different departments, what would that process look like though? I mean, is there a difference between a company that has 100 people in the sales and marketing departments versus a company that is only two or three people even strong? Is there a difference there? Is it, again, you have a lot more volume and things along those lines. Right. But in terms of what is required to feed both sides, is there really a difference that's a good question. Um, so I'm a marketer. So I always try to make my marketing do as much of the heavy lifting for sales <laughs> as I can. Um, my, my, my working philosophy is that marketing exists to make sales, you know, as obsolete as possible, really. You, you want to turn your sales force from that perspective into just an order taker, which really annoys a lot of salespeople. <laughs> so it might depend on with the smaller company you know who you've got in there and what strength they have are they more of a marketer are they more of a salesperson as to how you divvy things up I mean just between the two branches um, but the smaller the marketing department that you have the more selling the salesperson has to do, the more lifting they have to do. And and thinking about it, if you had a big sales and marketing department, let's say you've got 100 people between the two of them, you can have a relatively small marketing department that's, you know, creating marketing and getting prospects in and qualifying them, getting them educated right? However much they need to be educated before they talk to a salesperson so that they're more likely to close. And if you're getting sufficient volume with them in, then you can, you know, 
certainly divvying them up between the salespeople, given whatever algorithm. So, you know, the, the strategy simply, it, it changes depending on the resources that you have. So the more people in the business, the fewer people would be needed to come up with the marketing. Is that what I take away from what you said? Well, a smaller percentage. I mean, let's say we got three people in sales and marketing. You need at least one of them to be, you know, setting marketing up. Maybe you're outsourcing stuff too, but you need at least one person in there, you know, to at least guide that part of the ship. <laughs> and does the marketing person get involved in the sales side in the way that you're looking at it? Or is that something that's dedicated um, to somebody in a different area? I think that they need to be able to touch base with the salespeople and find out and, and maybe this is KPA, KPI, maybe this is data that they're looking at too. Um, you know, so where do we need more of what to make this process work easier so that we can not only get more people in, but get more people from, you know, the, that initial bucket out to the salespeople that are going to close. Let me qualify that. Um, more leads out to the salespeople and more of those leads will close. Get so them more me, ready to close. Let me ask you in a real world example, and I want to just get your take on this, Daniel and Patricia. My experience, okay, this is coming directly from what I did at one point in my career. I was working for a phone company and it was the vice president of marketing and myself as a senior marketing manager in the marketing department. Then there were a whole bunch of salespeople, including an outside sales team that was basically affiliates that were sending in deals every now and then. What we did was we came out with the marketing collateral, but we also had to do the pricing that all of our deals needed to follow. And if somebody needed, as an example, and this is going back in the days before cable and everything was really so easily available. So we were installing T3 lines, OS 12, whatever it was that was going back in the days. Um, we had a need, therefore, to come up with, all right, and part of my job was to have this little CD that told me here's where all of our central offices were that gave me then the mileage to a client's location so that I knew exactly how much it was going to cost us for the fiber to get the line to our client and then to do the pricing accordingly. Sometimes we won and lost based on the pricing. So the question is, because I was directly involved in that regard, like if I was the bottleneck from sales being in a position to close versus the sales department saying, look, here's what we know it's going to cost us. Let's just throw a number in. We know we've got 
all of this wiggle room to go down to just a dollar more than it's going to cost us, you know, per foot, whatever it may be, and we can make money. Um, where in your um, idea would there be any holdup? Would there be any issue? Or is it, okay, this is how it is. Like you said, the KPIs and things along those lines. Let's figure it out and go from there. Would there be any difference? Would you recommend that way? Would you recommend something else? I know that was a lot of things to take in. Yeah. It's a really but... long case study in there, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, price is pretty important a lot of the time. And like you said, a lot of sales are made or lost based on price. But as marketers, we we also know that sometimes price isn't the only consideration. It just is if that's the only consideration we let the customer have. So, you know, if your solution costs more than somebody else's solution, there needs to be a justifiable reason for that gap for the client, the customer to say, yeah, let's go ahead with this pricier solution because I think it's going to be more beneficial in the long run rather than going with the cheap price solution. I don't know. Was it? Is it yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me, let I know where I was stab. going. I don't remember what the question was now. So yeah, let me take a stab. <laughs> so if I'm understanding, uh, going from your case study into some of your questions, Jennifer, um, what I was hearing, what I was focused on was the different stages of bringing on a new lead to the time they become a prospect when we're reaching out to them, to the various conversations we have to them until they finally become a customer. Uh, so we really want to look at the entire funnel all the way through and look at those different stages and figure out where we are losing the most number of people. This is my approach to uh, what I understood your question was about. Then if we know what our expectations are, or if we see that there's a, an inordinate amount of people that are dropping off at various stages, we can start to ask some deeper questions. Why are we losing so many people here at this stage? So whether that comes down to the initial value proposition up front, whether that comes down to the final closing conversation at the end when we're talking about pricing, uh, we can start to gather some of that data about why people are dropping out. We can ask some investigative questions and figure that out. And then we can start to tweak the offer, the script, the stages, uh, anything that we need to take a look at once we have all those stages all mapped out. So that was my take on your question, Jim. Thank you. So. If we're looking at where we go from here, and if you're counseling one of your clients and helping them really figure out sales, marketing, sharing leads, getting everything and making it that both sides are happy, is there one thing that you would say must be there other than frequent communication? that can help both kingdoms be happy? 
Yeah, both sales and marketing need to have a place at the table. So when the company is sitting down and doing their strategic planning, figuring out what the goals are going to be, marketing needs to know what the company goals are. Because marketing will do what marketing does best, which is generate bunches of leads. Uh, but they need to know how that ties into the strategy for the rest of the company. Anything you want to end there, Patricia? No, I, I totally agree. You know, if, if, you, if you're wanting me to do marketing, it's either going to be go do this task, this task, or that task kind of thing, or help us strategically plan this thing. Because then you can plan out campaigns, you can plan out, you know, how to tweak the last campaign because it didn't work well enough, that kind of thing. So if we're looking at the big picture and we're saying both sides need a seat at the table, both sides have to be looking at what the end result is going to be and how we're going to be sharing the results, right? Because marketing is going to be generating the leads, sales is going to hopefully be closing them. And again, coming back and telling marketing, we need more of this type of lead, less of that type of lead. So that it's going to be clear what exactly it is that marketing needs to be doing so that sales is going to be getting the most bang for the buck that marketing is investing in the marketing. If we look at it from that perspective, do you have any final thoughts to help sales and marketing really generate the best value, the longest relationship value for the prospect? Again, prospect, not necessarily a customer at this stage of the game. And anything else in that um, buyer journey? Any final thoughts there? Well, my final thoughts are the, the two functions, sales and marketing, need to understand that they are team players. They are part of the larger company. Neither can afford to engage in finger pointing, name calling, <laughs> blaming <laughs> these were perfectly uh, good leads when i had a hold of what did you go right. into with them? <laughs> you know marketing can't say well we we're generating the leads off the the criteria you gave us sales if you don't like it it's your own fault <laughs> yeah yeah so it, it can't go back and forth like that they everybody needs to understand they're part of the same team even though they may be performing separate functions and that's the most important part. Marketing needs to be prepared to pivot, uh, to be able to make changes and tweaks. Uh, sales needs to be able to articulate clearly what they want. <laughs> so it, it's, yeah, it takes two to tango, right? <laughs> Patricia, yeah. do you have anything you wanted to add there? No, Daniel wrapped it up pretty well. Then I'm going to say on that note, this has been another episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters. And until next time, here's to your success. Thanks so much for listening to another amazing episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast. We're all about helping the small business community grow 
and reaching as many people as we can. And the algorithms on the podcast programs love reviews. So if you loved what you just heard, consider leaving us a review. And even if you don't, I'm sure you already did, but consider sharing our episodes and our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Sharing is caring and here's to your success. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. It's the bottom line that matters.